today we are going to be looking at the first great awakening and it comes after we have a bit of a lulling and a falling asleep of the pilgrim and puritan settlers after all the blood sweat tears just the hard times they went through the devotion that marked that whole generation their devotion to god their devotion to each other their absolute devotion to starting this new life and giving everything they had to it. They all did great. But then their children and their grandchildren started pulling away from God. Instead of yearning for God, which marked the first generation, they started yawning and being bored. Instead of depending on God, they started depending on themselves. This yearning didn't die, but it fell asleep. It went into hibernation. It sprang to life again in the mid 1700s when God had a great move of His Holy Spirit upon this country. So, once again, the country returned to covenanting with God and covenanting with others within the Christian community. Let's look at the colonies falling asleep. We're going to be focusing on New England here because this has a lot to do with the Pilgrims and the Puritans. They're the most obvious switch here between being totally devoted and falling asleep. As I said, the first generation, they were really committed to God as they colonized and they pushed into New England, mostly Massachusetts and the Connecticut areas at this point in time. They lived for God. They really sought Him. They sought to do His will. They looked at their own behavior. They looked at the behavior of their neighbors. And they did everything they could to live for God. When they saw something that needed dealing with, they dealt with it. They were hard on themselves and they were hard on each other because they wanted to be so completely devoted to God. And they knew that any kind of sin would act as a barrier between themselves and God. In return, God blessed them abundantly. They went from just barely surviving and scratching out an existence to becoming relatively prosperous, to being able to have good lives. They started spreading out because they had all this land that they could move into. Cotton Mather, he was one of the great religious leaders of the time, and his book that he wrote, Magnalia Christia Americana, or the Ecclesiastical History of New England. Within this book, Cotton Mather writes a whole bunch of examples of how God blessed the Puritans, how he responded to their prayers how he blessed them without them even asking because they just had such a close relationship. There were some examples of caterpillars coming across the land and starting to strip the trees bare and to eat the crops. When the Puritans would pray to God and ask for relief, the caterpillars disappeared. Just overnight, they would disappear. Another time, the caterpillars came and then they were just dead the next day. They knew it was a direct response of God to their need. Another example comes from a couple of ships that are in distress. So we have a ship that's mastered by a William Layton that had just left Piscataqua, Maine, and is heading south to Barbados. About a thousand miles offshore, it springs a leak. They can't fix it, so the ship sinks, and the crew has to go on to lifeboats. Once they're on the lifeboats, they find out that they made a mistake when they were pulling things off the ship for the supplies that they would need. They found they had tons and tons of food, but not much water. 
after 18 days of drifting at sea, they were down to one teaspoonful of water per person per day. That's not enough to live on. At the same time, we have another ship that's captained by one Samuel Scarlet. They have a, a huge problem. It's taking them longer to get to their destination than they had expected, so they're running out of food. They happen to see the lifeboats that the other crew is in and that they need rescuing. And the crew said, no, we don't have enough food for ourselves, so we don't want to rescue these guys. There'll be more people eating what tiny amount of food we have left. But Captain Scarlet said, no, I'm resolved I will take them in and I will trust in God who was able to deliver us all. And wouldn't you know it, God really answered both their needs because Scarlet had the water, tons of water, plenty of water that Layton's group needed. And Layton's group had tons of food that Scarlet's group needed. Once the two groups got together, they had all that they needed. Then they were able to get back to New England within a few days after uniting together. So we have stuff like that going on. Just constant God intervention. Just amazing things happening where he's helping the people in the colonies. But then, like a fire slowly dying down, the spiritual brightness is dimming. By the beginning of the 1700s, what was once a blazing fire a century earlier is now kind of ho-hum, eh, I don't really care. It's just not there anymore. It's like the dying embers in a fireplace. After you've had a fire and you just have these glowing coals in the middle of the ashes in the fireplace. So there's a tiny bit of something going on there, but very little, especially compared to what it was like before. So we have the new generations of the pilgrims and the Puritans not listening anymore to what the preachers are saying at church, not interested in following God's covenant. They're not correcting themselves or their children's behavior or doing what they want. And the preachers are seeing this. The preachers are still somewhat in tune with God, and they're just seeing this laxity and this not caring anymore. They are preaching sermon after sermon after sermon about, you need to get your acts together, people. You need to get right with God. You need to repent. The funny thing is that there were so many sermons and so many calls to repentance that the people started referring to these sermons as Jeremiads. This is in reference to the Old Testament prophet Jeremiah, who was known for going around Jerusalem telling everyone they needed to repent, they were going to be invaded and be taken into exile. People just got so sick of Jeremiah, they didn't listen to him anymore. They're just like, oh, he's a big party pooper. We don't want to hear all this doom and gloom. And that's exactly how the people in New England were treating their pastors. We don't want to hear this doom and gloom anymore. Stop being like Jeremiah. Stop preaching your Jeremiads. So these increasingly vehement sermons are falling on increasingly deaf ears. Problem is, the faith of one generation just isn't magically given to the next generation. The next generation has to have their own faith. Next generation and the third generation, they're not having the same tests that the first generation had. They're not being persecuted for their faith. They're not being left out of government and excluded deliberately because the government doesn't like them. 
They're not doing everything that they can to survive in the wilderness of a new continent. They're not having a general sickness or a starving time. It's all of those things that cause the faith of the pilgrims and the Puritans to grow and blaze like a mighty fire. It's not happening with the second and third generations because they're being blessed so much. In some senses, they're being blessed into complacency. The second and third generations of pilgrims and Puritans had plenty of land to move into and the ability to meet their needs. So they weren't as inclined to be grateful to God for his blessings or to put all their trust in him. We can see that in today's culture in America, too. We have been so blessed and we have so much that we can do to meet our own needs that we push God away because we can do it ourselves and we have so much of what we want and what we need. So we're not trusting in God to meet our needs. We're not thanking him for our blessings because we're just taking so much for granted now and doing so much on our own. The second and third generation of pilgrims and Puritans, instead of relying on God, they learned to rely on themselves. And that became one of the great American traits. One of the strongest traits we have is our independence. In a lot of ways, independence is good. But in other ways, like being independent of God or from God, or we're not trusting in God, that's not so good. So it goes both ways. This independence is good in some respects, but not good in the respect of when you're ignoring God and trusting in yourself because of it. Anyway, back to the Puritans. In the first generation, they had a law where you had to build your house within a half a mile, so about a 10-minute walk, from the meeting house, which would usually be in the center of a town or a village. They did that on purpose because they wanted everyone in the community to be relatively close together so that they could be community to each other. They didn't want somebody way off in the woods being a hermit. They believed that people needed to be together to help each other and to look out for each other. Obviously, they also wanted people close to the meeting house so they could get to church and learn about God and worship God. Yet by the third generation, this law is gone. People are just out doing their own thing, going where they want, and setting up their homes where they want. It doesn't matter how far they are from church now. They're depleting the towns and the villages because everybody's spreading out now instead of staying in town. Our good friend from our Pilgrim's Talk, William Bradford, in his famous diary of Plymouth Plantation, he actually writes about this because he's sad when he sees the town, Plymouth, being emptier than it used to be because everybody's spreading out. They want to get the best land in Cape Cod before somebody else gets it. So they're leaving town. He writes, But such as were resolved upon removal went on notwithstanding. Neither could the rest hinder them. And thus was this poor church left like an ancient mother, grown old and forsaken of her children. Her ancient members being most of them worn away by death, and these of later time like children translated into other families, and she, like a widow, left only to trust in God. Thus she that had made many rich became herself poor. So they're talking about the church being emptied. The church that had made its congregation rich spiritually is now poor. 
because everybody's just leaving. Pretty much the only people that are there now are the older ones, and they're dying off. Now, nobody here is denying that settling the wilderness was not a good idea or wasn't part of God's plan. But the point is that they needed to be settling the wilderness as part of God's plan. They should have been seeking his will and his way and his timing for the settling of the wilderness, not just going off willy-nilly and doing whatever they felt like and settling here and there everywhere and being individualists. They should have been part of a thought-through plan that was God's plan. So we just see people who are ignoring the covenants made by the earlier generation and going off to do their own thing. So as fewer and fewer of the second and third generations are pursuing God, the Puritan churches are finding themselves in a bit of a pickle. They've got a problem now. And it's a problem that a lot of churches today have of there are many people who will not darken the door of a church unless it's for a wedding, a funeral, or a baby baptism. They had that problem then with the second and third generations of the Puritans and the pilgrims. They weren't interested in going to church every week because they had better things to do. But when they had their babies, because farming community, they would have a lot of babies, and they wanted their babies to get baptized at church. Even if the parents weren't so interested in church, they wanted their babies to be baptized in church. So what are the Puritan churches supposed to do? They've got these people. They're not really committed to the church, but they want their babies to be baptized. Well, they don't want to shut out the children. So they come up with what they call the halfway covenant. In it, they allow the children to be baptized, but they do not let the parents have full membership status. They're not allowed to have Holy Communion, that kind of a thing. We have this halfway covenant for these halfway committed Christians. You can see the American colonies as a whole are falling into spiritual apathy. They desperately needed to be stirred up again. God answered that need with what we now call the Great Awakening. Thank you for listening to this edition of America's Godly Heritage. I hope you have a great day. Bye. Help us spread our message. If you would like to learn more about America's Godly Heritage or to support us with prayers or finances, you can find us on YouTube, Vimeo, Patreon, Give, Send, Go, most podcast sites such as Buzzsprout and Spotify, and on social media X, Truth, Instagram, and Facebook. You can view the resources used to make this podcast on YouTube, Vimeo, and Patreon. We really appreciate your support. Thanks again. Bye.